God will surely take care of you. In verse 25, he repeats himself again. God will surely take care of you. What's the object of his hope? And the character of God, isn't it? See, Joseph is saying, God, the God that we serve is sovereign. He's faithful. He's good. He's all-powerful. God will take care of you. Is that the God you serve? Is that the God you hope in? Remember when Moses was uh, in trepidation being sent down to Egypt to, uh, to bring Jacob and all of his lineage out of there some 400 years later? And he says to God, God, who, who shall I tell? You know, I go down there, they're going to say, who are you? Who sent you? And remember what God said? Just tell them. Just say, I am sent you. I am. What do you mean I am? I am whatever you need. You need faithfulness, I'm faithful. You need control, I'm control. You need power, I'm power. You need love, I'm love. The Apostle Paul goes to God and he says uh, in Second Corinthians, Corinthians 12, or Second Corinthians 12, I'm sorry. And he says, Lord, I've got this thorn in the flesh. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I could minister. This is my conjecture here. I'm sure I could minister better, Lord, if, if you just kind of heal me. Remember what God said? My grace is sufficient for you. End of conversation. My grace is sufficient for you. See, the object of tested faith is the character of God, who God is. Is He sovereign? Is He all-powerful? Is He all-present? Is He good? Is He faithful? Steve, let's go back and read Genesis 50, 22 to 26 again. Same verses. Because I want to pick one more thing out of there from the testimony of a dying man, Joseph. Joseph stayed in Egypt along with all his father's family. He lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children, also the children of Machar, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you you must carry out my bones from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Notice in verse 24, what else Joseph says. He says, God will bring you from this land, up from this land. Then in verse 25, he says, now when God does that, I want you to carry my bones up there. Don't leave my bones down here. Carry me up there. He says that's according to the promise. What, What was the promise? It was the Abrahamic covenant, wasn't it? And so on his dying bed, he says to his, his brothers and he says to his kids, Listen, 
Keep the faith because God will take us back to that promised land because He said He would. And by the way, we won't look at it, but over in Exodus then 13, it says that when Moses took the children of Israel out of Egypt, they took Joseph's bones with them. And then another little tidbit on that, and we won't look at it because of time, but Hebrews 11:22. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. It's the hall of fame of faith. God goes through and he lists all these people that please him because of the faith that they lived. And Joseph is mentioned there. And you know the only thing it mentions about Joseph? His bones. It says, Joseph, Joseph told his descendants to take these bones when they left Egypt. Why? Because he was trusting God. And tested faith always has as the object of the faith the character of God and the promises of God. Okay? Comments? Questions? Here. Chris? Thanks. Winston, um, thinking about what Joseph says on, on his on his dying day and think about what I'd like to think I say on my dying day are, are two different things and it's kind of the way God sets up the paradigm for the Old Testament and our paradigm for the New Testament being in the Old Testament he, he focuses them on the, the temporal on being promised to being promised this land being promised this rich beautiful land and it's completely different for us living in New Testament times do the scriptures give us any indication of why why he why it is like that? Why he they were so focused they weren't focused on eter- on eternal things, or he didn't have them focused on eternal things in the Old Testament? Well, that that's a that's that's a clear observation because they they didn't think in terms of the eternal; they thought in terms of the temporal because God related to them on the basis of the ter- of the temporal. I, I don't know. Yeah. But let me just say to you that just as Joseph had the Abrahamic covenant, so we have the scriptures that tell us one is Jesus is coming, man. Titus calls it the blessed hope. And that ought to be one of our motivating thinking uh, ingredients in our faith is Jesus is coming and he can come before we uh, have breakfast in the morning, men. And secondly, secondly, it says that how, and, and I don't want to go down this road, but it's, the scriptures are very, very clear that how we, as you well know, Chris, how we live here is going to determine what our eternity looks like. We get to heaven on the basis of God's initiative, we call it grace. But we determine what that eternity looks like based on what, how our faithfulness to the opportunities God gives us. As he's unrolling the scroll and we are a part of that and he gives us uh, opportunities. So that ought to be, 
Those are the promises that we ought to be grabbing on to as Joseph grabbed on the promise to Israel that God would move them into the promised land. Steve? I'm just re- responding, Chris. Um, their perspective was temporal, but they were looked at, they were, um, their faith was eternal, as Hebrews 11 tells us. They, they never saw the, the, the they never saw the promises fulfilled, but their faith was eternal. They believed God, and that was counted to them as righteousness. Well, their 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 hope was was future because faith is always future, but it was in the temporal. It was that he said, "You'll have this land forever." That was temporal, okay. But it is future because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the conv- conviction of things not seen. That's future. Yeah. Let's just finish up. I want to challenge you. Uh, you're thinking for just a moment in, uh, for a little word of application. And that is that if tested faith, the object of tested faith is the promises and the character of God. And let me just remind you, men, that there will be times that maybe the promises don't look like, it doesn't look like God's keeping the promises. When Joseph gets sold into slavery and goes to Egypt, out of the land that God had promised him, that was that looked absolutely contrary, didn't it? And Joseph could very well have said, "Man, a life! This doesn't look like God's keeping His promise. Could He have not have?" I. Mean, and so it is with us. There will be many times, gentlemen. When God will test us and put us in circumstances where it's going to look like that God is not good. God is not faithful. And it's in those times that all you've got to hold on to is the character of God. God is in control. God is sovereign. God is good. God is faithful. And that's what you'll have. And there may be times, and I think in most men's lives, God takes us to that point at times when we have to come to grips that really all I've got is God. My grace is sufficient, he told Paul. My grace is sufficient. So having said that, Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. And those who come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is. God is what? He's sovereign, in control, faithful, good. He's enough. He's sufficient. He is whatever you need. God is veracity. What's that? He's a keeper of his promises. My question to you is, what promises are you living on today? Let me just go down through a few promises that you have as God's child. And let me encourage you that if you're not living on them, to begin to live on them. And we won't go look at them, but I'll just, uh, we'll talk about them. Matthew 6, 33. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. The context there is temporal provision. And he says, seek God and his righteousness. And God says, I'll take responsibility for meeting your needs. Now, when you get uptight over finances, you lose your job, whatever the situation is. And we all get there, don't we? Are you going to allow fear and anxiety to rule you? Or are you going to take that literally, what God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? And God says, and all these things will be added. And we have a choice. And by the way, Jesus gives us a little hint of how to pull that off in the next verse. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Most fear, most anxiety will deal with the future, not today. And Jesus said, just live for one day at a time. That's the way you can live that out. Let me give you another one. 1 John 1, nine. Are any of you carrying guilt? As a Christian, it's unbelief to carry guilt. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Are you carrying guilt? This is a promise. He says, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Parenthetically, and I don't want to deal with it tonight, but uh, if you don't understand the difference between innocence and pardon, you'll have trouble living that out. If you want to talk about that, we can do that tomorrow night. You can ask a question on it. Another verse, James 1, five. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to everyone and without reproach. But let him ask in faith without doubting. You need wisdom. You get in situations where you just don't have a clue what to do in relationships or circumstances or whatever. Yeah. God's very clear here. He says, all you've got to do is ask, and he'll give you wisdom. So you ask, and then what do you do? You be active. Faith is always active. You go forward. Be strong, and you're courageous. You start making decisions, and you move forward. Why? Because you've got wisdom. How do you know you've got wisdom? God said if you'd ask him, you got wisdom. First Corinthians ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. We get to thinking we're the only guy that's ever been through this. Oh, woe is me, poor me. So 
Some, something in me, I just love to waller in self-pity. I just bathe in it, you know? It amazes me. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also. Do you believe that? Instead of saying, man, I can't, I can't, I just can't go on. I can't get through this. Based upon that promise, we say, I know I can. I know I can. Why? Because God said He wouldn't test me. He wouldn't tempt me beyond what I'm able. And so I move forward positively. Even when it hurts like mad and I'm not sure i got enough strength to put another foot in front of the other one. Okay? Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Let your character be free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself says, I will never desert you nor forsake you. So we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? God says, I'll never leave you. I'll never desert you. Or I'll never leave you. Even in all Joseph's testing, the Scriptures are very clear. The Lord was with him. And we have this promise out of the book of Hebrews. And so we can either move forward, we, we should move forward with confidence without fear. How do we do that? Well, God told me He'd never desert me. He'd never forsake me. So I'm going forward because I know God's with me with this. And then one I mentioned earlier and the last I'll mention is Romans 8.28. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. Gentlemen, God is sovereign. God is a good God. And he works everything in our lives for our good and his purpose. The object of tested faith is the character and the promises of God. Well, let's shut her down. God tests our faith for his purpose and our good. God is the source of testing of our faith. Tested faith is bifocal. The object of tested faith is the character and the promises of God. Joseph was a man of tested faith. Joseph was pleasing to God. May we be men like Joseph. Amen? Okay. Lord, we'd, uh, we do want to be men that are uh, pleasing in your sight. And we know that the only way we can please you is to believe you, take you at your word, trust you. Oh, God, it's such an embarrassment to me personally when I have to come before you and admit again that I've been in unbelief. And it scares me. And it embarrasses me that I wouldn't trust you after how faithful and good you've been through the years to me. 
Oh, God, help us. Help us have bifocal faith that we can get a sense of being part of your creation, of your big picture, and yet being a significant because we're part of the present. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. before we break for the evening uh, just would suggest that you uh, get time with your prayer buddy for the rest of the retreat uh, pray for him let him know you're praying for him and uh, it's a way of encouragement for all of us there's some refreshments out in the hallway coffee and juice and popcorn cookies so forth feel free to spend time fellowshipping would encourage you to get rest we got a big